I feel we have a good one for you today. Hi, this is the redheaded preacher Richard Lanford, uh, the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. And um, that's how I feel. I just um, practiced this message before service, and it is before service right now on Sunday, August 21st, 2022. And uh, so I hope you, that you also find it encouraging and maybe educational as well and inspirational. So um, we're going to visit with Jesus mostly from the story in Luke, which you'll hear read by Beth Sturba. She's our lector for today. She's also one of our deacons. And I just, uh, I hope a lot of you folks get to hear this one and find your spirits lifted and your hope fed. Towards that end, I invite you to join me in the spirit for a brief word of prayer. Reaching out God, seeking, pursuing, loving God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to hear the word and to hear it expounded and applied to life today in the church. Bless this listening as we ask that you would bless the preaching beforehand. May it build us up. May it encourage us, challenge us, help us to look within and outside ourselves as faithful members of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now here's Beth. We have two readings from the Old Testament today. The first is Psalm 71 verses 1 through 6. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. The second lesson is about the call of Jeremiah. It is chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I put my words in your mouth. See, today I point you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and plant. This ends the reading of the second Old Testament passage. The Gospel reading this morning is Luke 
chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began appraising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. Here ends the Gospel and the Scriptures for today's service. Thanks be to God for the people of God. How do you feel when you come to a place, a gathered place, where you don't know anyone there? If you are not a natural uh, extrovert, you can make yourself go out and start introducing yourself if you have to. I've been in that position several times, including the Sunday in 1992 in July when I preached my first sermon here, not counting the time in March, and went downstairs to coffee hour. There's an, even an emphasis in clergy and leadership resources on how you enter a room for the first time. Because depending on what your role is, how you enter a room can be pretty important in setting a tone. Well, how about when someone else is the new person who comes to a gathering you're in, with people that you already know, and they're noticeably different and in a way that might make you nervous. Will you acknowledge this person? Greet them if he or she comes by you? Picture the gospel story when a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years, she was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight, came around the synagogue. She's painful to look at. Do you hope she keeps on moving and does not stay? How uncomfortable would we feel? Is she crashing our little party with her visible hurt and illness and maybe ask something of us? Or are we the type to go up and welcome her proactively, introducing ourselves? One of the first things I noticed about this story is that however the synagogue goers did feel, Jesus saw her. He looked at her and did not turn away or pretend he didn't see her. Plus, whenever we read or hear Jesus saw her, it can mean more than just literally. 
Jesus saw her. He saw her pain and her suffering and her 18 years. It continues. He called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. Jesus saw her, he called her over to him, and he touched her by laying his hands on her. On someone, some might be reticent to do more than glance at, let alone call over and welcome. Now, you and I do not have the miraculous curing power of Jesus, but if we can still take a page from his book, see the newcomer who might appear challenging to some sensitivities challenge those sensitivities do not let them be in charge see the newcomer and if it feels fitting call him or her over or better yet go over to them welcome them to this community of faith like so many of you in this room do i know so consider this an affirmation of that I think it is intimidating for some people to come to a new church for the first time. And if they need a cure for something or feel apprehensive, we may not be curative, but are welcoming, not going overboard, like treating someone like an exotic, to use a phrase. But our welcome can be a form of healing all around. Dr. Jesus, in our passage, might have started his healing work just by seeing her, calling her over, and touching her in a way appropriate with a healing statement, the biblical laying on of hands. And the power of touch is part of healing and welcoming, too. Well, we know what happened. Jesus got into trouble. Imagine that. He cured her of her ailment of 18 years, and while she praised God... The synagogue leader was indignant and began telling the crowd this was against the Torah. Actually, it was against an interpretation of the Torah, of the commandment to do no work on the Sabbath, in rabbinical commentary called a midrash, found within the Mishnah. Somewhere it was determined that work on the Sabbath included doing the work of healing, and it came to have the authority of the actual commandment. On the Sabbath, you could heal someone, but only if the life of the patient was teetering and might very well die before Sabbaths end at sundown. Then you can try to heal them. Otherwise, that's work. Got to wait till Monday. It's also helpful to remember, in context, that in the latter part, the last several chapters of the book of Isaiah, the prophet, it holds nothing back in confronting and condemning those who do not keep the Sabbath. It's highlighted as, you keep this law, friends. And this powers the synagogue leader's strong reaction. They do not want to grieve Yahweh again like they did centuries before and ended up in exile. That also explains a lot of the Pharisees' decisions and did, got to stick to the law, the letter of the law. So Dr. Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath and it became trouble. Good trouble. 
He broke the letter of the law, or the letter of the Mishnah, but in his view, he did not break the spirit of it. And I capitalize the S in that. As Jesus elsewhere taught, the Sabbath was made for humans, not humans, for the Sabbath. Again, Jesus reinterpreted the Sabbath prohibitions, setting him against the leaders of his own faith. Jesus did not seem to care. He was about healing, helping, and showing compassion regardless of what day it was. As Carolyn Winfrey Gillette wrote in our next hymn that we'll sing, for Jesus knew the truth, that people matter more, and God loves things that heal, encourage, and restore. It was the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath which got him into good trouble. As we heard Beth read, Jesus called the synagogue leader out on his and others' hypocrisy. This adds on to him already getting into trouble. You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? On the Sabbath, he says, you untie your animals to lead them to drink, but you will not abide untying a daughter of Abraham from her horrible ailment? You value your animals more than a daughter of the covenant on the Sabbath? Are you kidding me? This is the first that hasn't happened before. I realize there was a play on words here, or at least a play on the senses of what's going on. Maybe you caught it. The Lord is talking about being bound and loosed, or tied or, and unbound. He called the religious leader out on being two-faced in condemning him, since the religious leaders were okay with loosening the bonds of rope or leather on the Sabbath so their oxen could be led to water. That, but it's not okay, no, it's not okay, with loosening on the Sabbath the bonds of whatever affliction had her bent over, unable to stand up straight. In fact, the scripture says quite unable to stand up straight. Free the animals on the Sabbath so they can drink, but do not free a daughter of Abraham, a human being, and in their faith community, who remains bodily bound up? Calling any leader out on hypocrisy is also getting into trouble. Jesus was not content just to heal on the Sabbath. He wanted to speak truth to power in hopes of them having minds open enough to let in the light of what he was saying. The truth can hurt. Sometimes when we are correctly called out, we listen and we realize the critique is right and we are wrong. And so when we see that, we try to change if change is required. And in that case, the synagogue leaders could change to join Jesus and champion dangerous righteousness. A recent example of being faced with the truth and being moved to seek transformation on a large scale comes from the murder of George Floyd. And when it was nonviolent, it's aftermath. Much work still needs to be done peacefully, but deeply.
following Jesus, going where he went, leads us into getting into good trouble too. I'll return to that. But first, I move to go back a little and ask us this. Since being tied and then untied, being bound and then set free by Christ is a theme in the passage, what does Jesus set you or me free from? What binds us which the Lord can liberate us from or to or for? I jotted down a few possible answers to what might bind us. Maybe you can relate to them. I'm sure you can come up with with many others. The first that I wrote down was we can be set free from blindness to the fact people are hurting. I saw a clip on TV of a state legislator of a different state than Illinois and uh, who had cast a vote uh, restricting abortion in that state and came to understand from a recent related, related horrible dilemma and its suffering, quote, these are real people who are affected, he said, by the votes they take and the bills they pass. Sometimes you can be, we can be blind to that. Uh, not, not, not on purpose. I know we get compassion fatigue. That's because we care. We are only human, confronted with tons of suffering. And yet those in need are humans as well, made in God's image. Life gets complicated. But it's not just about us and ours. And there are many places, businesses, and groups that could do well and be in good trouble where they freed from blindness to pain they cause others. We may, shifting, we may need to be freed from being like the synagogue leader who perhaps looked away, or maybe the assembly looked away and did not want to engage the bound woman. We don't know for sure. We may need to be freed from valuing the letter of the law over the spirit of the law when there's a difference, although this takes discernment. I've suggested before much of what binds you and me and churches are fears. Jeremiah was afraid of being God's prophet, though he was young. He knew that being a prophet, necessary as it is, was a lonely, unpopular burden that lasted probably a lifetime. So he tried to persuade the Lord to withdraw his name from candidacy because he knew we can be afraid of God's call, of being misunderstood, of being outed as LGBTQ if we are, but not ready to let that be known. There's the fear of losing the masks we show a lot of folks, and people then see who we really are, and we don't think they will love us if they see that. There's the fear of climate crisis. There's the fear of losing friends. There's the fear of the escalation of mental health crises in school-aged kids, teens, and adults. We're afraid of becoming dependent, of running out of money, and so on. There's the fear of change, the unknown. And we can be afraid of bending or breaking rules or traditions and therefore be hesitate to join Jesus in his righteousness when that's what righteousness forms take. 
So I'm not saying these fears are illegitimate. No, no, I'm not saying these are illegitimate. But they can bind and afflict us, keeping us from answering to the fullest extent Jesus called to follow him in loving God, loving ourselves, loving our neighbor and our enemies. They can keep us from deciding to get into good trouble with Jesus. Good trouble. I'll stop listing what may be tying us up, holding us back from a, a lifelong freedom the crucified and resurrected Christ can provide. Instead, moving a bit away, we can gain courage, perspective, greater faith and empathy for others when we approach Jesus. He saw the bound woman. He will see us as well. It helps I think, to have been freed by Christ ourselves before getting too active with Christ in the ministry of freeing others from pain and fear, as God will help us. When I first decided to use the words good trouble in the sermon title, my only known use of the words was by the late, great John Lewis. And then I learned that good trouble is also the name of a TV series several seasons. It was also the 10th studio album of Illinois' own rock band REO Speedwagon, released in 1982. Well, I'm going to go with the civil rights hero John Lewis on his good trouble. A Christian, he urged people, especially the younger as he got older, to, quote, get in good trouble, necessary trouble, and redeem the soul of America. He said that it meant to speak up, to speak out, get in the way. He elaborated, when you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have to speak up, you have to say something, you have to do something. CNN's Brandon Tensley wrote that the phrase was a willingness to confront the world's many injustices regardless of the consequences. And a writer for ForgingPlowshares.org said, in seeking to cause good trouble, Lewis deployed Christ-like challenges to evil. Dr. Jesus got into good trouble by healing the long-ailing, long-bent-over woman so she could stand up straight on the Sabbath. He got into good trouble when he told the synagogue leader that he was a hypocrite and those like him were hypocrites to value loosening their oxen and donkeys on a Sabbath but to, so that they could go and be walked to drink, but not ailing human beings on the Sabbath. Their values were legalistic and inhumane. Both are unchristlike. As disciples of this Jesus, getting into good trouble is a calling like it was for Jeremiah to be a prophet. Jesus saw something that was not right, not fair, and not just, and certainly not loving, and he broke the interpretation of the fourth commandment to bring God's love to life and God's power to make a difference. You and I live in a time in a world where there is more injustice and fear and valuing other things before people and their general welfare. Thus a world and time 
where good trouble is needed from faithful people and institutions, Christ-like challenges to evil are still needed. They still bear witness. They still can pierce the minds of those who resist at first and start to see, oh yeah, you know, that's right. They lift people up and they are hard. But in so doing with Jesus, you know, we are not alone. As Psalm 71 tells us, and with which I close, in you, O Lord, we take refuge. Let us never be put to shame. We won't be in the eyes of the only one who matters, our Lord and Savior. I wonder how many of you knew that REO Speedwagon did an album called Good Trouble. I didn't until I looked up the phrase in preparation for the sermon. Nor did I know there was a TV show by that name. It might still be, you know, the series might still be alive. It was relatively contemporary, but I didn't dig that deep <laughs> to find that out. I'm really glad that you had the opportunity and took it to listen to this podcast. Bless you for that. Uh, next week, we are going to be uh, at Laurel Park, an outdoor worship. I will still try to record the scriptures and the sermon. It is the live stream that will not happen uh, because that requires you know, an, an internet hookup and our modem and router and all of that stuff, whereas right now for this, it really just... Re- it needs my phone to record the sound as we read the scriptures and proclaim the message of a subject of which I do not know the answer, a subject of which I do not know. So um, I thank you again for, for listening, and I want to give uh, thanks to, once again to Laura, our office manager, who puts this together for you to listen and gives you words of encouragement as well in between segments of the podcast. May God bless you. May God hear and see you as he saw the woman as we come to him and as you come to him with fears from which you desire to be unbound and know the freedom of new life. May this be part of your week and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Redheaded Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.